turn then to John chapter 8 and we're going to look not at everything that was read but at the first um, verses 12 to around uh, 20. So while you're finding John chapter 8 verse 12, uh, let me say something about our method of operation. We, uh, particularly in the mornings, we follow through what scripture says uh, bit by bit. That means sometimes we're looking at easy, obvious pieces of scripture and sometimes we're looking at things that are a little bit more difficult to follow. Uh, and that's the beauty of going through bit by bit, chapter by chapter. And I think this one is not so easy. But nevertheless, it's in God's word, so we have prayed that God would speak to us, and we, uh, we look to him to do so. So we're going to think about this, start with this saying, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. It's there in verse 12. Let's think about the importance of light to the world. Is light an important thing? Uh, in fact, when God made the world in Genesis chapter 1 verse 2, it's one of the first things that he said and did. And God said, let there be light. Think of life on this earth. Uh, the thing that provides light to us is um, the sun. Almost all other light is reflected from the sun. Daylight comes from the sun. And the sun produces all sorts of effects. It is so important. It produces warmth. So do you remember when there was the total eclipse? for a few minutes, a few years ago. Do you notice how cold it went? So the sun produces not only light, but warmth. And where there is that sunlight, there is life. So I've drawn a beautiful tree. And not only for the world of vegetation, because that's where, uh, that's where our food comes from, doesn't it? The light produces chemicals in leaves and the leaves then produce chemicals which turn into food so it's very very important it produces life and there's humanity doing something productive and uh, Jesus himself said when it's dark you can't work so you need sight you need to see where you're going you need that information and that knowledge of where you're walking, where the tree is, where your spade is, and all sorts of work and activity come from light. And if you think about it, without that light, life would just be impossible. And that's true in the world, which is the physical world and the world of human knowledge, the world of the mental world of humanity, and how much more true is that picture when it comes to the spiritual realities and the personal realities of this universe 
to do with God, to do with people made in his image. Jesus, uh, or no, in, in John's gospel, right at the beginning, it says of the word, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. And right at the beginning of John's gospel, he says, now just think about this. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. In him was life, that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, referring to Jesus. And then it also says, the true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. So light, now we're thinking not just physically, but spiritually. There is a light and a life which gives light to everybody. And that light came into the world when Jesus came into the world. And I've got a little picture of something with seven branches on it. Anybody, any guess what that might be meant to be? Yeah, a menorah. What's a menorah? It's a, can, it's a Jewish candlestick, yes. Do, do, do you know where the, the original one was that that's a sort of copy of? In the tabernacle in the temple, yes. There was a, uh, the tabernacle would have been dark. It didn't have any windows. And in that place where God was, a light was shining in a dark place. So the idea of light is very important. And if you think about it, not just important for ordinary life but uh, it goes further than that so we're looking at Jesus saying I am the light of the world and he goes on to say and I'm quoting whoever follows me will never or not definitely not walk in darkness but will have the light of life what an amazing statement somebody can say I am the light of the world whoever follows me they too will have light they will not not walk in darkness but will have the light of life and that's where we're going to follow through as Jesus said this now let's put it into context he was in Jerusalem he was at the Feast of Tabernacles. Tabernacle is a strange sort of word, but it just means tents. And this was a national Jewish holiday or festival. It was the festival that reminded them of the time when they were, had temporary homes. In other words, they lived in tents as they were trekking from Egypt, the place of slavery, to the promised land, the place of freedom. And they hadn't got there yet, but they were en route to the promised land and they lived in tents. And this is meant to remind them of that. And during the Feast of Tabernacles, there was a water pouring ceremony and there was a lighting ceremony with great big lights. Don't know how they were worked, presumably not by electricity. And it was said in one of these Jewish documents, it says the Jewish Mishnah from Sukkah 5 verses 1 to 4, if that's any help, 
but this is what, what was said. He who has not seen the joy of the place of water drawing has never in his life seen joy. Such a terrific, amazing ceremony there in Jerusalem. All getting very excited about it. There was dancing and there was singing. And uh, this is the situation. Interestingly, Jesus said, if you thirst, come to me. And here he says, I am the light of the world. And I'd like to think about this in with three headings which I have neatened up so they all begin with C, if that's any help, uh, claim and challenge and confirmation. So let's look first of all at the claim. This is what Jesus is claiming. Jesus claims to be spiritually and really what the Son is physically. That's what he's doing, isn't it? He's saying, as important as the Son is to physical human existence and the life of this world uh, in that sense, Jesus says, well, I'm like that uh, on the deeper level of reality, um, of God, if you like, spiritually, when I say spiritually, I don't mean less real, I mean more real. So Jesus is saying, I am the source of light and life and sight and information and knowledge and all work and activity is done by me. Only work and activity that's worth doing, if you might put it in that rather crude way. And he's saying, I shed light I am the source of light. It all comes from me. And if you can see anything else, uh, it's because of his light, rather like the sun is the reason that we can see our newspaper and our book. By his light, and only by his light, we see everything else clearly. In other words, the world and its meaning can only be seen clearly in the light of Jesus and other people can only be seen clearly in the light of Jesus. And we ourselves, we don't know ourselves unless we put ourselves in the light of Jesus. And only in the light of Jesus do we see the beginning of things, and only in the light of Jesus do we truly see the end of things, and only in the light of Jesus can we see clearly to take the very next step in our lives. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That's what Jesus is claiming. It's a claim about himself, and it's a claim about what it is to follow him. It's a claim about what it is to follow him. Notice he does say, follow. If you follow me, you will have the light of life. And that's not quite the same thing as talking religion. So actually, quite a lot of people can talk religion. They can talk about being a Methodist or being a Buddhist. They can talk about um, being a Protestant or being a Catholic. And Jesus isn't saying talking is very illuminating he's saying talking may or may not be illuminating but the light I give I give to people who follow me 
And he's not just talking about religion. He's not saying, well, you can get enlightenment in Buddhism. And there's a certain amount of good things you can learn from Hinduism. And uh, everybody has a bit of light. Uh, everybody has a spark within themselves. He's not saying that. He's not saying that. He's saying, I am the light of the world. That's where the light comes from. That is the source of light. There are not many sources of light. There is one source of light as there is one sun that shines upon us. That's where light is to be found and you need to follow me. And following Jesus then involves, boil it down, trusting and obeying. Trusting and obeying. If you really trust Jesus, you will obey him. If you only talk about it, but you don't do anything, it's not really faith. James says it, you talk about your faith, but unless it actually translates into action, it's not really faith at all, it's just talk. So Jesus claims to give light to every follower. And what sort of light does he give? He being the source of all knowledge and the source of all understanding and the only way to see everything. What sort of light does he give? Well, I'd like to suggest to you that the Bible doesn't say if you follow Jesus, you will therefore know how to play chess. You might think it does imply that, but Jesus isn't saying I give every piece of knowledge I who know everything and shed light on everything, I give every piece of knowledge to every follower. He's not actually saying that, is he? If you become a believer, you don't necessarily then know how to play chess. You don't necessarily know the end from the beginning. Now God knows the end from the beginning and Jesus himself says, I know my end and my beginning. But following Jesus doesn't necessarily mean that every follower will also know the end from the beginning. But what it does do, it seems to me, is that Jesus says, you will know enough with certainty that you can live your life. I think that's what Jesus is saying. There will be enough light shed that you will know how to live. And it won't be guesswork, it will be certainty. Have you ever gone for a walk on a dark night have you ever had one of these head torches make you look really stupid uh, probably you might not even need a head torch I should not go down that way should I um, but it doesn't show you everything it just shows you the bit in front of you and that's all you need and I think Jesus is saying if you follow me I don't necessarily promise that you'll see everything but you will have the light of life you will not walk in darkness and I would like to venture to say that there is enough light for our life there is enough light to help us deal with trouble there is enough light to shed joy into our lives there is enough light for us to make the decisions we need to make there is enough light for us to face the darkness of death. There is enough light to give us hope and there is enough light to give us peace. And I think that would be enough, wouldn't it? 
Would you be satisfied with that? Jesus says, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you will have the light of life and not walk in darkness. And I think that's a great promise. It's a practical promise and a valuable promise. So that's claim. Now, let us look at challenge because John the Gospel writer does not go on to tell us, uh, to enlarge on the meaning of light as such, but he does go on to look at the challenge that Jesus faced. And John chapter seven and eight are full of contradictions and challenges and controversy. And so the Jews challenge him. Do you see that in verse 13? The, the Pharisees in particular challenged him. So there are the Pharisees challenging Jesus. And they have a, a, a particular reason for challenging. They say, here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. So let me point out the importance of the word testimony. And they're saying one person saying something in an unsupported way is not acceptable as a true witness. So let me first of all invite you to look at the word testimony which appears in the text at various different points. It's a, therefore it's important, verse 13, your testimony is not valid. Verse 14, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid. And verse 17, in your own law it is written that the testimony of two men is valid. I am the one who testifies for myself. The other testifying person, it is the word for testimony, but it's translated witness. The other witness is the father. So there's a lot about testimony. Do you understand testimony? It's when people say, this is what I saw. This is what I'm telling you. It's testimony. It's testifying. The person who does it is a witness. In Greek, it's all the same word. And another preoccupation of the passage is true. It gets translated different ways, but it crops up again and again. So in verse 13, the word valid is could equally be translated true. Single testimony, your testimony is not true. Verse 14, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is true true and verse 16 if I do judge my judgments are true actually it's the word true there and what did I say verse uh, 16 verse 17 in your own law it is written that the testimony of two men is true and it's actually there also in verse 26 where it's uh, do I mean 26? I have much to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is true. So there's a lot about being true. And as I say, the translation doesn't always make that quite clear. So Jesus is saying, I am something, and they're saying, you're just saying that on your own, so we're not going to believe you because your testimony is not true. That's the challenge. And Here's the, here's the rub, here's the question. 
Jesus says, I am the light of the world. So do you remember my illustration of the light shining from the screen? That's where the light comes from. And what the Pharisees are trying to do is take their own little torches and shine it on there to make things clearer. And it doesn't, it doesn't work. Uh, what light do you shine on the sun to investigate it? How can you prove the existence of, a, of the sun by shining a torch onto it? Do you see? How do you prove the existence of the sun? Here we are, let's go out onto Brighton Beach. It's really, I think it might be sunny. How do you prove the existence of the sun? Well, you, you just look, don't you? It's there. Turning the sometimes when it's dark, uh, no, do I mean that? Yes, when we turn the lights on in here, it doesn't help see the overhead screen. That's the, the sun is its own proof. You can't prove it by shining a light on it. The sun proves itself. If you want a long word for it, or a couple, two, two words, it's self-authenticating. You don't prove it by something else. The sun proves itself. So something there about the challenge. Now let's look at how Jesus rebuffs that challenge. It's very interesting how he does it. Not quite sure I understand all of it. But this is what I offer this morning. That Jesus rebuffs this challenge. They've said, you need confirmation. You're just standing there saying this yourself. Uh, but Jesus says, well, let's follow what he does say. Uh, verse 14, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is true, for I know where I, I came from and I know where I'm going, but you have no idea where I come from or where I am going. It's a rather lovely translation that. Uh, you have no idea. It very much brings across the thought of it which actually says I know you don't know but you have no idea is brilliant and Jesus is saying I know truth you don't there is such a thing as truth I know it and you don't know it that's the real state of affairs there is such a thing as truth Jesus says I know the truth and you don't you have no idea Does he, notice what Jesus doesn't say 21st century people might like him to have said well no one can really know these things God has just left us hints in the universe we don't really know no one can really know now, that's sort of what the previous Archbishop of Canterbury said but Jesus doesn't say that uh, he doesn't say well you know each of us has our own thoughts about the world and reality and no one knows anything for sure See, Jesus doesn't say that. He says, I know exactly. I know. You don't. My testimony is true. Not a problem with, my, with me. Uh, I know there is a truth. I know it, and you don't. Simple as that. Second thing that he says is in the next verses, where he says in verse 15, you judge by human standards, I pass judgment on no one, but if I do judge, my decisions are right because I am not alone. Now it's sort of flipped over into judgment, but that's what the, the Pharisees are doing, they're judging Jesus. 
And Jesus says, oh, you're trying to judge me. Incidentally, I'm not judging you at this particular moment. We'll see some more about that in a moment. But what he says about them is, you are judging by human standards, uh, literally according to the flesh. You're using your own little torch, and that's all you've got, and that's all you're doing, and you're using that, and it won't work. He's saying something quite serious and quite profound about human endeavors to know Jesus. And he's saying, if you try and do it using science and history and psychology and the advanced tools of scholarship, all the human tools, that is not enough to capture me. You are judging according to the flesh. And that isn't big enough and strong enough to understand me. It is like, I tried to think of an illustration. This is one that came to mind. You're in a thunderstorm and there's thunder and lightning. And you say, isn't this storm big? And you say, yeah, it's a really big storm. It's the biggest storm I've seen uh, this, this summer. Let's measure it. How should we measure it? Um, I've got a tape measure. My wife carries around a tape measure in her bag. It'd be very useful. Measure curtains. We can measure a thunderstorm with it. And you think, what a ridiculous, stupid thing to do. I mean, for a start, you know, the tape measure is only this big anyway. Uh, and it's the wrong sort of thing. You can't measure a thunderstorm with a tape measure. It's just the wrong sort of thing. And he's, I think this is what Jesus is saying. You're trying to measure me by human standards. You'll never understand me by human standards. I'm bigger than that. You remember Paul saying we used to. We used to know Jesus according to the flesh, but we don't know him that way anymore. He's bigger than that. You use hum human tools to judge, whether they're tools of scholarship or intuition or whatever. And notice what Jesus does. Uh, my third point here, Jesus makes himself the key to knowledge he makes himself the key to knowledge in other words you don't know Jesus by getting the key somewhere and then seeing what it what it says about Jesus it's the other way around Jesus is the key to knowledge so look what he says in verse 14 I think this is a rather to me puzzling statement Verse 14, even if I testify on my, my own behalf, my testimony is true. Okay, prove it. But he says, well, I know where I come from and I know where I'm going. And you don't know where I come from and you don't know where I, I'm going. Therefore, you have no idea. And I think what Jesus is doing is saying, if you haven't understood me, you can't understand anything. If you understand the whole world, you know, E equals MC squared, uh, F equals MA, U equals half, uh, S equals UT plus half AT squared, these are all equations, you see. I've understood everything now. And Jesus says, no, you haven't, because you haven't understood me. And unless you understand me, the whole universe remains a riddle to you. Nothing else fits into place. I know, says Jesus, my origin, my destination. You don't, therefore you're stuck. And notice what he says in verse 19. 
they, then they say, well, tell us this about the Father. What's all this about? And Jesus says, you do not know me or my Father. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. If you had understood me, if you had grasped who I am, the magnitude of who I am, the reality of who I am, then and only then will you have access to the Father. No one comes to the Father except through me. You've got to grasp me before you can go on to understand the Father. And Jesus is making himself the key, isn't he? He's making himself the key to understanding life, the universe, and everything. So if you want to put it this way, Jesus is the first riddle to solve. You don't solve the other, all the other riddles and then Jesus sort of follows on uh, once you've climbed up that far. He's saying, N here's your number one question, who am I? Now you won't get anywhere until you've answered that question satisfactorily. You won't understand, you won't understand, you won't understand yourself, you won't understand your life, you won't understand this world, you won't understand where we've come from, you won't understand where we're going to, you won't understand the value of anything or the meaning of anything until you have understood who I am, says Jesus. So here's another thing. Uh, we were talking about judgment and then Jesus makes some statements here in a very Jesus-like way. Uh, and I've summarized it, Jesus does not make judgment his main current task. You're judging me, verse 15, you judge by human standards, I judge no one. Now, if you, John's gospel works like this, you get contradictory statements with just a full stop separating them. Um, He came to his own, but his own received him not. Yet to those who did receive him, he gave the authority to become children of God. So no one came, and some did come. That sort of contradiction. And Jesus expresses the same thing here. I don't judge anybody. But when I do judge, I judge rightly. He does not make judgment his main current task. Let's take that statement, I do not judge, verse 15. And then the next statement, verse 16 when I do judge, or as and when I judge, my decisions, my judgments are true because I am not alone, I with the Father who sent me. Have a think about that. I think we could say these two things. Number one, Jesus did not come, first of all, to condemn the world, but to save the world. So at this particular point, as Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, although he could say many things to condemn them there and then, that's not what he's aiming to do. He's aiming to save them. He's aiming to save them. And it's interesting, all this dialogue, all this argument, Jesus could just have cut it all short and said, Duh, forget you lot. And in a sense, he could have sent them to hell straight away. But his, what he's doing is dialoguing with them to save them, isn't he? I didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world. And this is the day of grace. This is the time at which Jesus is in the business of not condemning people and writing them off, but redeeming and saving. 
and then there is a sense that Jesus is often very cautious about the way he expresses this. He is the judge. He is the judge of the living and the dead. One day we will all meet Jesus. We will all have to stand before him and he will determine our final destiny. That's why it's so important to get to know Jesus now before that day comes. But Jesus is at pains to point out even in judgment it is not his private decision he is doing what he only ever does which is to express precisely the will of the father so he says when i judge my judgments are true because i am not alone he says i am the father who sent me in other places he would perhaps spell that out a bit further I do exactly the father's will so that was number four and let's say a couple more things under this heading confirmation Jesus is saying that his testimony is true because in fact it is not just one person on their own but it is something confirmed by a second person, that is the Father. I don't know whether you've ever thought about this, but you could go down London Road and make all sorts of bizarre statements. You could go down our local street and you could stand out and you could stand and cry in a loud voice, I am a dustbin. I haven't tried it, I don't recommend it, but it could be done. Do you think people would believe you? You could go and you could say, I am Napoleon. Now the fact that you said it doesn't make it true. And this is really what people are saying to Jesus. You could say that, but just saying it doesn't make it true. But Jesus says, well, the difference is this. The person saying I am a dustbin, it's just their opinion. I don't think there's anybody else gonna back them up. You know, city clean will not write in and say, here's a dustbin, we emptied him last week. So Jesus is saying, I am the light of the world, and he is one witness, but he is not the only witness. He's saying the Father witnesses with him. And how does the Father confirm the witness of Jesus? Well, one thing is that Jesus always insists that what he says are the words of the Father. He never says anything that is just him. He only ever accurately, brilliantly, perfectly expresses the Father. So the words of Jesus are the words of the Father. But not only the words of the Father, but the works of the Father. So on another occasion, Jesus says, well, look at what I'm doing. Feeding the 5,000, opening the eyes of the blind, walking on water, changing water into wine these things they're undeniable if it was a crime scene whose fingerprints would be on the crime scene whose fingerprints are on the feeding of the 5,000 whose fingerprints are on walking on water I'll tell you the answer I am that's 
a shortened form of the name of God, the God of the Bible. And Jesus says, if you look at my works, you will see the Father's fingerprints. The Father himself is backing me up. And if you think about it, if God wasn't with Jesus, what on earth was God doing allowing these miracles to happen? There's the works of the Father and the huge testimony of the words of the Father in Scripture. And did you notice even in, did we have it in that passage? Maybe not. I think it was another passage that we read earlier this morning. Jesus is constantly aware that his life fits in with Scripture is formed by the template of scripture, is in obedience to scripture, the word of God in other words. And the words of the Father in scripture are constantly witnessing to Jesus. And Jesus says, I'm not on my own. I'm not crazy. Go and read your own law. All the things that it says there, all the things that Moses says, whom you put your trust in, are actually talking about me. Look at the things I've been doing. What do you think they are? Just conjuring tricks. They are the witness of the Father to the unique person of Jesus. Jesus' testimony is true. So, can we reach a solution? Can we reach a solution about knowing Jesus? If the sun shines and people get out their torches to try and prove it or people just say prove it, prove the sun shining I don't think it's a problem with the sun I think it's a problem with the people who are saying prove it and there's a word for it if you can't tell whether the sun's shining it's the word blindness The inability to see light is called blindness. And I think this is what this passage of scripture is about. The Pharisees are blind. They can't see what's obvious. Jesus is trying to help them. He's talking them through it. He's trying to open their eyes. And we sang it, didn't we? Light of the world come down into our darkness. Open is opened or open my eyes, let me see. Jesus is, sorry, that should say is, Jesus is not only the sun shining, but he is the saviour redeeming. We need to pray, open my eyes. The problem is with me, open my eyes. Let me see the light that's there all the time. Open my eyes to be able to see it. In chapter 9, we find three verses in a row. Verse 5, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. In verse 6, he touched a blind man's eyes. Actually, he spat, made mud, put it on the blind man's eyes. 
And verse 7, do you know what happened in verse 7? When the light of the world met a blind man, the blind man went home seeing. That's the miracle of becoming a Christian. Let's sing together.